You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about planning an effective practice. What does that look like? What are the ingredients? What are some strategies? Uh, well, we're going to dive into all of that on today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 69 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Hope you guys are doing well. Um, you know, it's a, it's another week. Uh, we are, well, well, we're in October now, and I know a lot of teams are, are getting their tryouts. I finish either wrapping up your tryouts, starting the season, well into the season. Maybe your preseason started. Maybe, uh, I know the NCAA um, over in the U.S., games are starting to go. Uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time, and I'm excited to jump on the episode, or the, the podcast, rather, and and be able to have a conversation with you guys, talk about practices. A uh, big level, or actually, I wouldn't say big, but a, a lot of discussion around practices this week. Um, a lot of people have reached out to me uh, you know, via Instagram and asked some questions about practices and stuff like that. So I wanted to do an episode on practice. And um, I, will, I will be honest, it is pretty much impossible for me to do an entire episode, well, let me rephrase that. It's impossible for me to do an episode on planning a practice and get everything I want to get out in one episode. It's not going to happen. This this probably would take like two or three, maybe even four episodes to talk about you know every little nuance of planning a practice. But what I hope to do today is give you a really good foundation and some really good strategies that you can take back to your gym and apply right away. So you know we're, we're going to get to the stuff that you can you can kind of implement and put right now into practice that will help your practices be better. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do to you today, I do with you rather. And uh, But before we do that, um, I do want to read a couple of reviews that we got on the pod uh, last, I think the last week or the week before. Um, we got a couple of, and, I'm, and by the way, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for uh, people who leave, leave reviews. You know, it, it's my... It's, it's my way of getting to connect with you guys and also letting me know what you like about the show, what you don't like, how I can make it better. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm I'm doing episodes that you are genuinely interested in. So we have a review from KTM Jones 7 and it says, great content and easy to implement into my program. I found this podcast about a month ago from viewing your Instagram page, which rocks also. Thank you for that. My volleyball season was already in full swing, and I was looking for something to help me as I was thrown into head coaching down from being the JV coach. I've been listening to each of the podcasts as I run early in the mornings, and they are just the right length, and I can listen to multiple episodes while I'm running. Coach B, your podcast pushes me to be a better coach. They help me encourage my girls to be a championship team, as well as to always be competing as if every point is the last point. Keep the episodes coming. I look forward to it every Monday morning when I run. KTM Jones 7. Wow, you know what? Like, Thank you so much. I'm, I'm kind of lost for words for this one. I, I, I really appreciate those kind words, and and it, it means the world to me that, um, you know, you, you, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm part of your routine. You know, every day where you, you go for a jog in the morning, uh, I'm in your ear. So 
it reassures me that I well one I got to make sure I continue to drop episodes every Monday morning so uh, our listeners can can hear it but but I really I'm really thankful that I could have a positive impact on, on your life as a coach and you know hopefully that trickles down to your team and and thank you so much for those kind words uh I can't tell you I'm I'm really lost for words I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you know what it's 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 reviews like this that reminds me why I do this show in the first place why. I'm so passionate about working with coaches and helping coaches. It's, you know, I love, I love hearing that feedback. And it doesn't always have to be good, but this one was an especially, uh, I, thank you, thank you so much for that, for that review. That was great. We have another one too. Uh, this one is from uh, Laverin9, or Laverin, I'm going to mess this up. La- I'm just going to call you Lav for short, Lav I9, or it's Laveroni9. It's one of them. Anyways, you know who you are. Uh, fantastic content and amazing guests. Coach B has great insight and the right mindset that you need to be at, uh, that you need as a, as a successful coach. I consider myself to be pretty advanced as a player, but there are so many things on the coaching side that I'm new to, and this podcast does an excellent job of breaking those down and giving me things to focus on. My biggest takeaway has honestly not been strategy, but so far the episode around sports psychology and how to put myself in the mindset of my players, especially those who struggle with self-confidence. Looking forward to more episodes and great tips slash interviews as we go on the coaching journey together with Coach be well i i appreciate uh, listen i'm man you you guys are you guys got me speechless here thank you so much for that review too honestly and i am going along the journey with you as well as uh, you know the other coaches and uh you know i yeah i can't i can't thank you guys enough uh if you are another listener who hasn't given me a review you know do me a favor Uh, i really appreciate the feedback and um and these two reviews, you guys, this is one of the nicest. These are not some of the nicest reviews I've ever uh, read. So I, I appreciate it, and I've said that like a million times already. So, uh, anyways, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I hope everyone else can uh, go and drop a review for me as well. All right, well, let's get into this episode, shall we? We are going to talk about effective practice planning. Effective practice planning. What does that look like? Um, before I do want to mention episode sixty. We talked about how to plan your volleyball season, and this episode and that episode will kind of goes hand in hand a little bit because to understand planning a practice, you also have to understand how to plan your volleyball season, and they, they're very correlated to each other. So, you know, the first thing you actually do is plan your volleyball season. You know, what does a season look like? You, you, and I, I've, I talked about it in the episode, so I won't go too much into it, but, you know, part of it is you get a calendar. And you put all your dates on there that are important. You know, you have your tournament dates, your game dates, your exhibition dates, your preseason schedule, any kind of holidays and time off. You put all that in there. And then you really focus on, you know, where do you want to be in the season at certain points? So at the beginning of the season, you're probably going to be focusing a lot on fundamentals and skill related type of acquisition stuff. You want to make sure that your players are getting back into the rhythm, making sure that they have the fundamentals intact and the skills that you want to push. So so it's going to be very volume heavy, rep heavy and things like that. And then as you get kind of in the midst of your season, your your practices start shifting a little bit to be more specific to teams you're playing, scouting reports, uh, tournaments, you know, things like that. More so as well as your own difficulties as you, what do you guys have as a team so if you're struggling you know with siding out well then you're going to 
probably put more of an emphasis on passing. If you're struggling with running a specific type of offense that you want to do, you'll probably spend more time, you know, with that type of problem. So it's very specific to your team in the middle of the season. And then closer to the end of the season, that's where you want to be at your absolute best. That's where you're, that's where you're kind of, you know, you want to hit your peak at the end of the season. So your seasonal plan will reflect that. So when you have that seasonal plan in place, that's when we can start talking about practice planning because your practice planning essentially is a, you know, it, it follows your seasonal plan. Your seasonal plan is the big ideals and then your practice plans make sure that your uh, seasonal plan stays on track. Okay. So when you, um, when you're planning, so let's say for example, we're in October right now. So we're still relatively early into the season. Some of you may not even had games yet. Well, a practice is going to predominantly look very fundamental and skill-driven at this time. You want to be able to assess all of your players' strengths, all of their weaknesses. You want to make sure you're driving home our serving and passing fundamentals that we need to make sure they're on par as you know the beginning of the season starts. Um, so it's going to be very volume-based. So your you know your practices are going to look somewhat like that, and then you know as we kind of go further along, it's what I mentioned before. So I want to uh, now. I want to talk about two things that are important. So anytime you plan a practice, okay, anytime you plan a practice, you want to make sure you have what we call learning goals and what we call success criteria. Now, if you're, if you've ever been in education, these terms might be familiar to you, but if you haven't, that's okay. So a success criteria and a learning goal are essential to have for every single practice. And this ensures that you stay on task and you actually accomplish something at practice. So let me explain what they are. So a learning goal is something that we use where we're they're they're basically referred to as let me give you an example. How about I do this? A learning goal is let's say we're talking about creating a platform. Okay. So your learning goal is goals that you want to get accomplished during a practice. So for example, one of the, our learning goals could be to create a platform. So in this practice, we're gonna make sure our players know how to create a platform. Well, the success criteria is basically how you're going to know or how are they going to know if they actually accomplish that learning goal. So a, a success criteria for creating a platform would be wrist down, shoulders elevated, elbows in, whatever fundamentals that they need to do in order to create that platform, that is going to be the, the success criteria. So if your athletes are able to have their wrist down, shoulders elevated, elbows in, um, you know, thumbs down to create this platform, then that is their, that, that's how they measure their success. Well, I'm able to do that. Therefore, you're able to create a platform. So do you understand what I'm saying there? So a learning goal is the goal that you want to have. And the success criteria is how you measure that goal. Okay. So the learning goal is whatever the athletes are trying to accomplish during that practice. And the success criteria is how they know that they've accomplished it. Okay. Really simple. Um, give you another one. So example, let, let's say we're trying to, uh, I don't, this is kind of vague, but pass to a target. Okay. So passing to a target is the goal. And the success criteria is going to be, well, can they create a platform and angle that platform according to their target? And if they can do that, then they're able to pass to the target. So that's that's how you, you, you measure the success. So we have learning goal and we have success criteria. And once you start planning your practices and writing these things down, you're going to find that you want to have, I would say, no more than three learning goals per practice. I think three is the maximum I would go. Because 
we also have to, you know, practice the skills according, like whatever the learning goal needs to get uh, done. We have to practice those skills. Uh, and again, success criteria, they have to be able to measure and understand whether they can accomplish that learning goal. And you have, you have more than three, you're running the risk of the entire practice kind of getting lost with getting too much done at one time. And then they tend to forget it. So, and, and this is, this will help because based on your seasonal plan, you'll, you'll be able to kind of figure out what your learning goals are ahead of time. All right. So that's what two big things. I spent a little time talking about it, but it's really important. And um, if you're driving, come back to me and write this down. But a learning goal, okay, the objective they're trying to accomplish that practice or one of the objectives and a success criteria, you know, what, what, how do they know that they've achieved that learning goal? Well, if they're able to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, that's their success criteria. Therefore, they were able to achieve their learning goal. All right. So let's talk about kind of the the layout of, of practice, if you will. Like, you know, what does a practice look like? Now, the, to be quite honest, coaches, this is all dependent on you. And I wholeheartedly believe there is no right or wrong way to plan a practice. I wholeheartedly believe that there is no right or wrong way. There are certain things that you probably want to have, but who's to say that you you can do it however you want to do it, whatever works for your team, okay? So I've, you know, I've I've taken courses, I've taught courses, I've done, there's a, a list, so many, you can look it up, there's so many presentations on planning a practice. And I'm sure if many of you coaches listening to this, you've probably attended a couple of courses or a couple symposiums or classes where you may have heard planning a practice is different. Every region has their own certification and courses for planning a practice. And I've heard a ton of university coaches talk about it in different ways. So what I want you to understand is it is your practice. You plan it how you see fit and you plan it to what will maximize your team's performance. That, that's what it's all about. It's about your specific team. You know, we can't we can't go to a university coach or a university gym, see what they do in practice, and then go back to our gym and say, hey, we're going to do the exact same thing because you don't have those players. Right? Those are Division One or U Sports or whatever the case is, college, university. Those are really great athletes. Well, we have our own great athletes, and we have to plan practices that are going to maximize their potential. So uh, a practice is, could look many ways, but this is kind of a typical practice that we do. You know, we'll always we always start off with a warm up, right? That's very common. You're gonna start start off with a warm up. Normally, we have our captain who is gonna lead a dynamic stretch. So they'll do maybe a lap or two around the court. Start off at the end line, do some stretching, um, and it's called a dynamic warm up. So it's not static stretching. A dynamic stretching simply means that there there's movement involved in the stretch. They're not holding their stretch as they would do at the end of the game or at the end of a practice rather, but they're doing more dynamic stuff. After they're done uh, with their dynamic warm up, um, one of two things can happen. They we well actually I wouldn't say one of two things. This is what happens. Uh, they then come to me. And I will, you know, either do a speech or like a warm up talk. Like we talk, right? Well, like, well, this is the objective. This is what we're doing in practice. This is kind of what it is. You know, we, we do our, our little pre practice meet. Okay. Um, every it's funny. Every uh, every Wednesday practice. This is how it's ended up being in my in my coaching career. But once a week. I'll share a story. I try to share like motivational stories when I can, but I have a ton of stories, and I share a story just to you know get the players. It's a it's a nice way of starting the practice. Gets them motivated a little bit. Uh, it's normally a, a, either a, a story from a, from a hero or a great sports story where someone overcame some adversity. Like it's always something like that, but it's great. 
Well, it's supposed to be great, at least. I shouldn't say that. It's supposed to be great. Um, but we do some kind of routine there. Then um, then we'll do a warm-up. Uh, like Now, when I say warm, not, not a dynamic warm-up, but we'll do a warm-up. And a warm-up is, again, to get their bodies going, to get their blood pumping, but more so is to get them engaged. Now, big thing here, okay? What, what, I, what I see a lot and what's very common is, you know, you do your warm-up and then you go and you pepper. Now, peppering is great. Peppering is a great ball warm-up, and I'm not going to talk anything bad about peppering because I do it too. But for practices, right now, your players may not be as engaged as they could be. They haven't really done anything fun yet. They're still kind of in the, in the, in the okay, let's see, what, let's, let's, get, let's see what's happening. Right? They're not there yet to where they could be. So what we want to do is we want to create a fun and engaging warm-up where, it, where one, and I, and, I, and I stress when I say this, it is fun. It gets them communicating with their teammates. They're also getting warmed up by definition. Okay, Their blood is flowing and all their hearts elevated, all their heart rates elevated, all that fun stuff. And they're getting into like, there's the right mindset to practice. So that after you do this fun warm-up, they're ready to go. They're like their stress level is decreased or whatever the case is, and they're ready to play some volleyball. So this could be in so many different forms. It could be in like we've played, I'll tell you, I'll give you some, some things we've done. We've done freeze tag, we've done dodgeball, we've done we've done a ton of different things. And by the way, college college imagine, you know, college guys, you know, these big six foot you know, six foot seven, six foot six guys playing freeze tag where you got to slide underneath someone's legs in order to unfreeze them. And these players are competitive and they're going off and you should see the sweat when they're done. It's, it's really, it's crazy, but yeah. So we do something fun. So by the time they're done that, then we can start playing some volleyball, right? And then we can do not pepper, but we'll do like a, some kind of team, team ball control drill or, you know, king or queen's court, depending on, you know, what you have and things like that. But again, that's where we'll work on some ball control, and then we'll get into more practice-specific stuff, you know, whether, whatever skill we're working on, and we go from there. So really important emphasis there, make it fun and engaging to start. Believe me, that it pays dividends, trust me. All right, another thing I want to talk about is, and I've mentioned this before in some other trainings, so you might have heard this before, is the use of the whiteboard. Now, I when I was a younger coach, I was completely against this idea of using a whiteboard because I was like, I don't, I don't need to write anything down. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and we're, we're going to do this as a team. And I, I know what I'm going to do. I don't need to write, write it down on a whiteboard. But what I found out later, and I, and I credit my mentor, John Spraw, for this one, is how more efficient a whiteboard will make your practice. Because when we use the whiteboard, yes, it is a form of an agenda. It tells the players what they're going to do during that practice. Of course, it does that. And it also lays out exactly how the practice is going to run. But more importantly, it saves you time. And that is what I love most about the use of the whiteboard. So when I have our schedule, our practice schedule on the whiteboard, and I've drawn it out, what I also have is the drills we're going to do. And what I have even more important than the drills we're going to do is I actually have the players' names of where they're supposed to be during those drills. So let me repeat that. I have in those drills, okay, that I have on the whiteboard, I already put the players' names into the position that they're going to be in that drill. 
And if you have multiple different rounds, so if you're doing like a passing drill where you have, you know, two passers are passing and then after a couple minutes we have two new passers and then two new passers or three new passers or whatever the whatever the case is, I have all those names already there. So everyone piece so the players know when they have to jump in and when they don't have to jump in. Now this is a great time saver because when you're setting up a drill and you're like, uh, okay, Jason, you go into six or Tommy, you go here or whatever the case is, you don't do that. They look at the whiteboard, they know where they're going to go, boom, they go. If, if their name's not on the whiteboard, they're shagging, they're doing something else. So for certain drills where it's very specific to people passing, for example, or certain people serving, this saves you a ton of time. And guess what? It goes further. Even when, you, when you're scrimmaging in practice, when you're playing a game in practice, how many coaches out there, how many times do you, you guys, are you sitting there, okay, we're going we're gonna to play a game now. Uh, you go here, you go here, you, and, you're, and you're doing it on the fly. Now, that takes time. Sometimes it takes a minute, two minutes, sometimes five, depending on the players you have. But if that was all written on the whiteboard, the players already know, okay, this is what team I'm on for the scrimmage. This is, where I'm start- this is my starting position. Boom. And you just go. And if there's anyone that's not playing, they're shagging balls, they're supporting their teammates, they're keeping score, they're doing something. So the use of a whiteboard, significant, significant when it comes to running a more efficient practice by saving time, um, in addition to everyone not everyone knowing what's going on. Everyone's on the same page. So the use of a whiteboard, I think, is a, is a very underutilized skill because you don't see it very much but i think it's important i think you should try to do it especially if you, if you have a gym where you have access to a whiteboard utilize it trust me on that utilize it okay so we've talked about a routine we talked about warm-up we talked about the use of a whiteboard we talked about learning goals and, and success criteria um, i also want to mention when planning a practice is you know and this kind of ties back to your learning goal whatever your learning goal is if you can stat that success criteria, if you can put a stat, a number associated with that performance, that will help with the athlete understanding where their skill level is at. It also helps you as a coach understand where your athlete's skill level is at. So when you put that stat at the end of practice, if, you keep, if you're keeping track over the course of your season, like, and I mentioned this in the past podcast episode, we have player profiles on all the players on our team, and we update that player profile with their stat every so often, you're able to monitor and track your athlete's progress over the course of the season. And that, by the way, is a significant um it's such a it's such a powerful tool because you're going to be able to help them develop faster. Imagine if you weren't statting anything. How how would they be progressing versus you statting? Because when you have when you can and I, I've heard this you heard me say this a million times, but you can't grow what you can't measure. So if they're practicing all season long and they haven't really you haven't really been measuring them, then who knows how much they've grown or how much they haven't. And rather, who knows how much more they could have grown if you did that. So, you know, just keep that in mind. You want to stat your practices. I, I've talked about it so many times on the pod, so I, I won't get into it again But um, for, for this episode. So just make sure you try to stat something, okay? And use an iPad, easiest thing. Your phone, easiest thing, okay? Um, in terms of, you know, how you split up your practices for scrimmaging, wash drills, and stuff like that, I always try to leave 45 minutes at the end of practice to play. You know, we can fundamental skills, we can do drills all we want, but at the end of the day, they have to be able to perform in a game. So I like 
to learn through play, actual games. And I would spend 45 minutes to do that. Now, if you want to set up the game to reinforce whatever you were working on that practice, then that's fantastic. So you can use a strategy like, let's say you're working on block defense. Okay, let's forget that. Let's say we're working on block, blocking. That was the emphasis of the practice. So our learning goal may have been, you know, sealing the net. Can they effectively seal the net? And the success criteria would be, you know, elevated shoulders, uh, you know, wrist pointed down into the court, things like that. Well, how can we you know, take that blocking learning goal that we're trying to do and, and put it into a gameplay. Well, what we would do is during a game, we would give an extra point for blocking. So what we, I think the way we've, we've done it is, is we give up a point for a block touch and two points for a stuff block and then an extra point uh, if you get a block touch that converts into a kill. All right, so we the the whole like my point system can be different than yours, but the um, the point is that we allot points in our regular uh, game to uh, emphasize the blocking that we're doing. So, we're, for example, like you know we're we're working on blocking, so we're going to give more points if you execute certain things right. So that's a kind of way you can tie in the learning goal to gameplay is by awarding points for it. Also, you can force situations too. Like for example, if we're working on out of system hitting, well, during gameplay, instead of having, uh, you know, instead of serving back and forth all the time, we may say, okay, the, the team that wins the point gets an out of system ball. And then we'll have a coach on the end line and he'll bounce the ball in and that will be the first contact. So when the coach bounces the ball, that initiates the first contact and the team only has two more contacts to get it over the net. So by bouncing the ball into the backcourt, you are forcing that team to be in an out-of-system situation where the backcourt is going to have to set the ball and then we're going to have to go from there. So again, this is a, this is where we're, we're playing, but we are simulating whatever the learning goal, whatever the, the, the point of that practice was so we can practice it in a game, in play. Okay, so that's that's another strategy that I think is important when it comes to planning an effective practice. So I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stop um, here for that because there's, there's there's so much I don't want to have like a, an hour episode on all these things. We maybe we'll do a part two later, but this is these are my big things when it comes to planning an effective practice. And let me just review a couple of things with you guys, just so you can take it away. And if you're driving, I want you to come back to this and write some of this stuff down because it, it will help make your practices more effective. And in, so let's just go back to the beginning. It all starts with planning your season. So make sure that when you plan your season, you actually have a plan of where you want your players to be at certain times in the season. And that's going to be based on competition, you know, how many tournaments or how many games, how many matches, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then, you know, based on where you want to be and what you want to focus on at certain points in the season, that's when you're going to start planning your practices around that. Okay, so like, like we talked about, the beginning could be more fundamental and skill-based. Then in the middle of the season, it'll be more strategic and tactical and under, and how to manipulate the other team's defense and offense and all that fun stuff. Um, so that'll be you know more t- tactical and strategy-based. Uh, and then we talked about making sure that every practice has a learning goal and success criteria, okay? And you can have a maximum of three learning goals. I mean, that is my recommendation. I don't recommend going more because uh, from my experience, it, it becomes really messy. So I'd say three max. 
Um, we talked about routines, you know, when you when you start practice, uh, warm up, make sure it's fun and engaging, the use of a whiteboard uh, where you can write players' names and drills and stuff like that. We talked about statting, um, and we talked about how we can then transition from our skill-based stuff that we're working on the beginning of practice to then playing with still having an emphasis on the skill-based stuff we were doing by awarding more points. And that's just one strategy. There's many ways. There's many. You could have specific six-on-six type games where, again, maybe it's, maybe it's not a point system, but it's a putting them in a situation where you, you need them to be. Like, for example, I know there's coaches that have been asking me lately, uh, how do I... You know, my coaches, my team are, ha- are having a hard time finishing games, right? Finish- well, what you could do is you could start the game at 23-23 and go from there. Or, or you can say, um, if you commit an error, you, you minus a point. So, you know, like all these great things you, can, you could figure out and try to create those situations that you're working on through gameplay. All right? So this is, um, this is what I would, I would say is, is a good start to running an uh, effective practice. I think if you can implement even one or two of these things, you're, you're probably going to be on a better path. And not to say that you're not. You're, many of you are probably doing a lot of these things, which is great. And I, I would hope that you would, co- you would continue to, to do this. And remember, too, like, it's your practice. There's no right or wrong way of doing this. My, my strategy that I shared with you today, I'm hoping make it more effective, but you, there's no right or wrong. Like, you figure out what is best for your team. How, and, and two, I, I feel like a lot of times these days, we're trying to take away the style of coaches. Like, we're all trying to, like, this is the, this is the right way of doing it. This is the way that coaches should be doing it. Well, I'm sorry, but all of you got into coaching for your own reasons. And I don't want, I don't want to take that personality out of it. I want your values and what you would like to see be part of your practice planning. Okay. That, that's important. Don't, don't let that take away from you. There's a reason you became, you became a coach, right? It's to affect the lives of 12 athletes or more. And, and obviously your love for the game and, and whatever other values you have. So have fun with it. Be creative. You do what you feel is the best for your team and yourself and go from there. And hopefully some of these strategies can help you with those, uh, with those values or, or with that mission that you're trying to do. All right. I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving these conversations I'm having with coaches, uh, these days and, and they're so great. Uh, and it's really, these are the type of conversations that help coaches grow. And, you know, it, it takes you from you know where you are now to where you're going to be much faster by having these conversations. So I encourage everyone to continue to have these conversations. You know, planning a practice, planning a season, um, working through your your growth as a coach. Because you know, when you when you start making these breakthrough stuff, it's it's a uh, it's lights out. And uh, and if you do want my help with any of that, um, as many of you know, I do have a membership where I get to work with coaches. It's my little me- my member. I call it my mentorship uh, membership program. Um, and if you're interested in signing up for that, where we have over 150 coaches in my world, uh, it's called Digital Volleyball Academy. You can join the waitlist at digitalvolleyballacademy.com. That's digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Join the waitlist. Uh, we're going to be opening up. I think uh, maybe maybe end of the month or maybe end of November. I don't know. Sometime we'll see. Uh, depends on uh, if 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 our, I'm again. Our, I'm having a, a lot of great conversation with our members, so I'm still really focused on the the new members that we have in there. So eventually, I'll be opening up to uh, to newer members who are who is not in Digital Volleyball Academy. But I think it's um it's definitely definitely a great place to be to to develop as a coach and grow because I, I see a lot of coaches start with us. 
And before, they didn't know where they had to be. Uh, and more importantly, they, they didn't know how to get there. And we were able to together figure that out for them and, and help them grow um, at, much faster as coaches. So I, I love what I do. I love this. I love helping. And I can't wait to hopefully help many of you inside Digital Volleyball Academy. All right. That's it for me. I uh, hope to see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.